0: The Ten Commandments was not the only commandments Father gave his people. The Father was in the midst of giving his commandments when the people decided they didn't want him to speak those commandments directly to them. And they told Moses, you go talk to him and tell us what he say and whatever he say, we will do it. Well, the Ten Commandments was memorialized because, of course, this was spoken in the hearing of the ears of the people. But it was not the only commandment because you know when you talk about fearing god and not having any other elohims before him and not bowing down and not making idols you know and all of that stuff there's nothing in the ten commandments that says anything about the feasts there's nothing in the ten commandments that say anything about clean and unclean things that we can eat things that we're not supposed to eat there's nothing In the commandments that tell us how we are to sanctify ourselves or to set ourselves apart or to be holy we're not asked to be holy we're told to not bow down to other gods and to remember the sabbath and keep it holy but then we are instructed to be holy like jehovah is holy and that's not in the ten Commandments. there's there's so much besides the ten commandments that we continue to learn and to read and to understand and to apply in our lives so that we may be found pleasing in the Almighty's face in every aspect of our lives. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Joseph's saga and journey continued in prison, as the favor of the Most High elevated him above all of the other prisoners. Although Joseph could not see the full plan of his being unjustly imprisoned, it is evident to him that Jehovah was with him from the moment he was given dreams and the trouble those dreams caused him. In this podcast, it was revealed how Joseph's path and steps were ordered by Jehovah. as another piece of the puzzle was about to unfold. Two prisoners' dreams would put Joseph one step closer to the fulfillment of what he had been shown in his own dreams. Today's study title is Dreams and Interpretations, so let's study. Genesis chapter number 40, we're going to be talking about dreams and interpretations tonight, and we're picking up uh, where we left off last week as Joseph now has been pursued by Potiphar's wife. He has resisted the daily actions of Potiphar's wife to get him to sit with her, to lie with her. And she became more and more aggressive to the point to where she actually attacked him and he left his clothes, his, uh, (laughs) he left his cloak, his bagot. And she uh, reported him to her husband who had him put in prison. But we know that while Joseph was in Potiphar's house, the Bible says that the favor of Jehovah was with Joseph. And so, Joseph was placed over everything Potiphar had, and now he has been thrown in prison and in prison, father's favor continues with him. And the ward of the prison is now placed. Joseph over the prisoners, Joseph's saga and journey continues in this prison situation as the favor, as I stated of the most high elevated him above all the prisoners. Although Joseph could not see the full plan of his being unjustly imprisoned. prison. It is evident to him that Jehovah was with him from the moment he was given dreams and the trouble those dreams caused him. And that's the thing we know that just because we know father's will doesn't mean everything is going to go perfect for us. Just because we come into faith in Messiah doesn't mean that everything is going to go perfect with us. In fact, for the most case scenarios, we find that those who come into the knowledge of Messiah are faced with challenges that were always there. But the mindset that we we had before we came into Messiah uh, is different after we've come into Messiah and therefore we cannot deal with the things or issues we had prior to coming into Messiah, the way we used to do. In other words, now as we are expected to conduct ourselves in a more heavenly mind in a more Messiah mind, then we can't do what we normally do in our own mind. You know how people can trouble us and cause us to behave in an uncomely and unseemly way, which would cause our behavior to be unacceptable in the sight of the almighty. And so we become challenged now that we've come into faith in Messiah and how we conduct ourselves and how we respond to circumstances and situations that come at us. And so when When these dreams began in Joseph's life, it wasn't the dream that caused the issue. It was the fact that father had a plan for Joseph. And I'll tell you, those who father has a plan for and who embrace that plan as that plan is revealed can expect warfare from the enemy to hinder us or to try to keep us from accomplishing or fulfilling that plan. When we begin to walk in the plan of the almighty, we become a problem for the devil. That's just the way it is. Joseph's path and steps were ordered by Jehovah. As another piece of the puzzle is about to be unfolded. We see that there are two prisoners as we're going to look at this passage, whose dreams would put Joseph one step closer to the fulfillment of what he had been shown in his own dreams. And as I stated in the previous chapter, we understood that Joseph dreamed dreams. And we looked at Genesis chapter 39, verse 6, and found that it was possible that Joseph also had visions. Because one of the translations of the word favored in that verse seemed to have been defined as visions or seeing or seer. Evidence of Jehovah's presence throughout the Old Testament manifested in individuals having dreams, seeing visions and prophesying. And we looked at Joel last week where Bible tells us that in the last day, father said that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh and young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. And upon his sons and daughters, they will prophesy and upon the servants and handmaids, they would also prophesy. And so the supernatural manifestation of the presence of Jehovah begin to manifest in the lives of those who have relationship with him and decide to walk with him in verse one, it says, and it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. And this word offended is the same Hebrew word that we get the word sin from or missing the way or going wrong. It could also, as it is stated in this particular verse, is an offense or offend. And there are other verses. And as I say, when you look up words in the Strong's Concordance or in any Concordance per se, you have to appropriate the right word based on the context of that particular passage. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what they did the butler and the baker, but it was enough for Pharaoh to have them put in prison. And so it appears that it could have been a serious thing or it could have been a minor thing. We, we don't know. And what we see here, and I was thinking, you know, as a, as one who has a degree in culinary arts, that there is such a pride that is associated with the preparation, especially in baking. And when you are in the ministry of serving, because here you have a butler and a baker, and they're not just butler and baker. They are the chief butler and the chief baker, the craft and abilities of the butler and baker elevated them into the house of the King. These men were chiefs and by virtue of being chiefs had staff. Under them. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, (laughs) their fate changed and they were about to be humbled and abased. It's interesting when you have individuals that are over people now being demoted or, in a sense, taken from their position of authority and, in this particular case, thrown into prison. In verse two, it says, and Pharaoh was wrought against two of his officers. So they were officers in uh, Pharaoh's house against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And so by virtue of there being more butlers based on the plurality of butlers and bakers, it lets us know that there were butlers and bakers under these two individuals. king. And Pharaoh is one and the same. Pharaoh is the title for the king of Egypt. And so this is why you will see in one verse it says king. And then in another verse it says Pharaoh. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And you know, as I looked at this, here you have Joseph, although he was over the prisoners, He was bound by the prison in his state of confinement. He was free to move around the prison and had access to the prisoners, but he was still a prisoner. And, you know, as I began to look at these lessons, how, you know, you have people right now, I have children who have jobs. And I remember when I had jobs outside in the secular world, I can't remember a job I had that I loved. In fact, every job I had, you know, I was excited to get the job. But after a few weeks on the job, the excitement seemed to wear off. And you become more or less like a, a slave or a prisoner. Because as that old adage goes, I owe, I owe. So off to work, I go. And so we find ourselves having to work, not that we want to work, but we have to work. And so, you know, there's a difference here, but there's some similarities in the fact that you have a job, but yet you're free to walk away from the job. And yet it seems as if you're bound by the job because of responsibilities and obligations that you have. In Joseph's case, Joseph couldn't leave. Joseph was bound. And in some situations where you realize where people are working a job for whatever reason, well, I know what it is. They have the ability to walk away from the job because they dislike it that much, but they don't walk away from the job. And in my dilemma, I found that one of the, the best things to do is to learn to love the work you do, even though you don't like the work you do. But to look at the benefits that the work you do provide, and so it's not so much that I loved my work, is I loved getting paid. <laughs> you see. And so it was just a, it was just a, a change of mind. And the, the love of getting paid or getting a paycheck helped me to endure the labor of the work. And we'll find ourselves in situations like that to where we may, we may be dealing with something that we may not necessarily love or may not even like for that matter, but it, it provides a benefit that we do want and do appreciate and do like. Hallelujah. And so for those of you who feel bound (laughs) by your job, look at the provisions that come from it. And when the Almighty gives you an opportunity to make a change, then of course you make that change. There's a change coming for Joseph, but it's not yet. In verse four, and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. In other words, the butler and the baker was put in prison. Joseph had been given authority in the prison. And now the butler and the baker, who was officers of Pharaoh, imagine a servant, a slave, overseeing officers of the king in a prison situation. And so the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. And they continued a season in ward. Now, the Hebrew word for season here in this passage is the same word for day. It's the same word for day. And so, and they continued a season in ward. It's, this word is yom. It's a day. It could be a time. It could be a year. Day as opposed to night. And all of the definitions there. but. Primarily, this word yom is used for day and then, of course, time. And the the most it is used is for day, which is two thousand and eight times in the Old Testament. Now, there are two dreams and two interpretations. And the reason why I pointed out this season is because you'll find that the word season is used many, many times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. And they don't always, when you see season based on the context, it's important to look up what does the word season in that particular context mean and not simply apply a general definition to the word season, because it's, you know, the Hebrew word in one context, it may be a different word in another context. And I pointed again that out because we don't know how long The prisoners were in the ward, but there seems to be some clues. It says in verse five, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night. Each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And so Jehovah revealed to the butler and the baker their fate in their dreams, but they did not understand their dreams in verse six. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning. Now, again, we don't know how long they were in prison, but here's what we know that they were in prison for a season. That season could have been a day, which means that the day they were put in prison the next that night, they had a dream and the next morning. Joseph came in, or they could have been there for a few days. We again, we don't know. And so Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them and behold, they were sad. So here you have two officials in prison and both of them had a dream and they both were sad. Their dreams saddened them, even though one of them was about to receive some good news. And if you've ever dreamed dreams, which I suspect, many of us have, it's not uncommon to sit and ponder what it meant. And generally when we are sitting and pondering what a dream means, it may not necessarily provide a countenance of joy on our face because we don't understand what it means. And so dreams can cause us to look perplexed if someone see us after We have awakened from a dream because we're sitting there thinking and trying to figure out what this dream may mean. And this seems to be the circumstance that Joseph found these individuals in. In verse seven, and he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, wherefore, look ye so sadly today. In other words, what's up? What happened? Why are you looking sad? I mean, you know, that's an unusual question to ask somebody who is incarcerated. (laughs) It's like, if nothing else, man, look around. See where you are. But this sadness was a different sadness or a different look than Joseph had seen the day before. This was More sad, it seems, because I know if I was incarcerated, I would not be going in there singing, you know, Kumbaya. (laughs) It's like, man, how did I get here? And so Joseph is about to reveal to us a lesson. And this lesson is something I suspect he learned from his own experiences with dreams. Now in verse eight, it says, and they said unto him, we have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter of it. And here's what Joseph said unto them. Do not interpretations belong to God. Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me them, I pray you. Now, when Joseph makes this statement, it's like, how do we come to this conclusion? that interpretations belong to God because when Joseph first received dreams and shared those dreams with his brothers and then his father, not once did Joseph mention Jehovah. The brothers and their father, Israel interpreted the dreams to mean that they would bow down to Joseph and he would rule over them. And not once did Israel, his sons or Joseph Mention Jehovah in the entire 37th chapter of Genesis. So now all of a sudden Joseph is in the prison and he understands that the interpreter of dreams is Jehovah. And the question is, is did he recently learn that? Did he know when he was dreaming dreams and there seemed to have been interpretations that were given either by the extra words that he said? because if you put yourself in his situation if someone dreams a dream then it is only logical to think about what the dream means to want some interpretation to understand the dream and when you share the dream with someone else and it seems as if they're involved in the dream then it's only logical for them To try to interpret the dream or to ask you if you understood what it meant, or for somebody to simply even volunteer what they think it means. But none of them seem to allude to the fact that, whatever the interpretation or how they received the interpretation or the conclusion they came with the interpretation that they had, that it came from Jehovah. But another thing is. By making this statement to the butler and the baker, Joseph is revealing to us that he has come to understand and is testifying about God, Jehovah, to these Egyptians. Joseph is testifying. He's saying, listen, because now we know that the Egyptians had a variety of gods. We're going to find that out. We know from what is written uh, in the Bible. And so when he says interpretations belong to God, I can imagine the butler and the baker saying, well, what God, what God is the interpreter of dreams. And for Joseph to be so bold, it could only mean his God, you see, because he's already recognized by The events that have led to this moment, even in Potiphar's house, as he stated to Potiphar's wife that it is not right for me, seeming that Potiphar has placed me over his house and I cannot sin against my God or violate the trust of your husband or Potiphar. And so Joseph is aware of who give the interpretations of dreams. Joseph faced a major test in Potiphar's house, and he passed that test because of his fear of God and not wanting to sin against him. In addition to not wanting to violate the trust that had been placed in him by Potiphar. Now, if we take those two perspectives and apply them in our lives, one, what does God want? Which, if we know his instructions, then that is not an un- unusual. We should know what he doesn't want us to be involved in. We know that he doesn't want us to be involved in adultery. That's a no-brainer. So for Joseph, it's like, okay, Potiphar has placed trust in me. I'm not going to violate his trust. I'm not going to violate the trust that has been placed because once trust has been violated it's very difficult to get it back and so the key to joseph's success and favor was his fear of jehovah and desire to please him and not sin against him now this is important for us to understand that joseph recognized where his favor Came from. Joseph recognized where his favor came from, and his favor was due to his fear of Jehovah. Now, the Bible is clear for us. Can a person, well, question, how can you know you fear God? Keep his commandments. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. So how do you, how can you know that you fear him is you keep his commandments. Can you not keep his commandments and fear him? (laughs) People say, well, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Okay. Then a wise man will fear God. So how does a wise man know he fears God unless he is keeping God's commandments? How do we know? How can we know we love God? The Bible says that if we love him, we keep his commandments. Can we love God and not keep his commandments? The Bible says, if you say, you know him and do not keep his commandments, you are a liar. Is that right? I'm I'm not making this stuff up, right? So if, if you are a liar, then where do liars go? According to revelation 21, I believe verse eight, all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. So can a person fear God and not keep his commandments? No. Can a person love God and not keep his commandments? No. If a person says they fear God and they love God and they don't keep his commandments, they're liars. And where do liars go? The lake of fire. So you have people who say they love God and they have the fear of God, but they don't keep the commandments of God. In fact, they don't even believe they have to keep his commandments. I know what that's like. I know that most people, let me put it this way. Many people have the knowledge. They even claim to have the understanding but where they fall short is that they're not doers of this knowledge and understanding they have. You see, knowledge is not power. It's the application of that knowledge that produces the power. And so if a man says, I love God, then that man is going to be keeping the commandments. If a man says, I fear God, then that man is going to be keeping the commandments. If a man says, I love God and I fear God, and they're not keeping the commandments of God, then it is no small thing to conclude that this person is lying. If I use the scripture as the measuring rod, if I use the scripture as the, the point of judging what someone says and what someone does, if I'm looking at the scripture, Scripture, the Scripture is true and it lies not. And if I'm looking at the Scripture and taking what someone say and filtering it through or judging it from, then I come to the conclusion that the Scripture comes to. If you say you love God and you don't keep His commandments, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you. And this is where great deception is operating in religious circles. People are deceived. How are they deceived? Because they know what the word says. They are hearers of the word, but they're not doers of the word. How can a man say he loves God and yet he's committing adultery? How can a woman say she loves God and yet she's committing adultery? How can these things be? How can individuals claim to have this love for him? And yet they're living in fornication. They're living contrary to what is written. And there are many people who know what is written. They know what the Bible has to say about liars and fornicators and sorcerers and the disobedient. And the drunkards. The key to Joseph's success in favor was his fear of Jehovah and desire to please and not sin against him. Joseph progressed from being given dreams by Jehovah to being given the interpretation of other people's dreams. And so we see there is a constant progression. Joseph is having dreams before he's 17 years old. He now is, because of the things that Father is revealing to him. And let me just point out again that when father starts revealing his plan to you, there's trouble. Why? Because there's only two entities in the earth. There's light and there's darkness. The darkness tries to dress up as light. And so the darkness is deception. This is the enemy. He, he presents himself as an angel of light. He's no angel of light but it doesn't stop him from masquerading as one. What separates a person from darkness and light is the word is light. When we walk in the light, we walk in the word and in him, there is no darkness, but the darkness is this deception that makes us believe that we're walking in obedience when in actuality we're walking contrary To what his word says, this is how so many people can be in an assembly. So many people can be in a church. So many people can be in a religious organization, but living their lives contrary to the book they say they believe in. That's the deception. And the only way you're going to rid yourself of the deception is that you become doers of what is written. When you start walking in what is written, then you'll come to realize that your enemy, the adversary, is going to come against you because you will find yourself surrounded by perpetrators. You will find yourself surrounded by fake people, by fake brethren. By religious people claiming to believe, but not living according to what is written. The closer you begin to align yourself with what is written, the more you begin to expose the darkness around you. And you start exposing the darkness that is in you. Which means now, if you start applying what is written, walking in what is written, you begin to rid yourself of the darkness. But that darkness that is in you keep you from seeing the darkness that you are surrounded by, namely the people that you interact with. It is no strange thing to be tested by God. In fact, the Bible informs us that he tests his people's faith. He tested Abraham with sacrificing Isaac. He tested Israel with manna. He tests us to see if we will obey him and keep his commandments. In fact, we know that Yeshua be, although he was a son, he suffered, and because of his suffering, as a matter of fact, let's look at that. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number seven. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard, and that he feared. Though he were a son, He became the author, although he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. In other words, what Messiah was sent to accomplish required suffering in order to accomplish it. It required suffering in order to accomplish it. And if he hadn't suffered, he would not have accomplished what he had come to accomplish and therefore he would have been disobedient. His suffering is what brought him to a place of obedience. And when he was in that garden, as we looked at last week and he was praying, he had the opportunity to not go forth and fulfill his mission. We brothers and sisters, in order to fulfill the call that the almighty has placed on our lives is going to require suffering on our part. And in the midst of suffering, we can't throw in the towel. We can't give up. We have to continue to press. And this suffering will show itself in a variety of ways. This suffering will show itself in our brothers and sisters abandoning us. It'll show itself in our brothers and sisters, even hating us. It'll show itself in like Joseph, where our brothers and sisters want to get rid of us and want to make money off of us. And what's interesting is that we don't necessarily hear a complaint from Joseph, but Joseph has come to realize some things as we're going to see here in a moment. So Messiah suffered and you can say he was tested. What was he tested with that cross? And in order for him to deal with the cross, he had to look beyond it. Do you know that we as human beings, it's hard for us to look beyond our circumstances right now. Our circumstances right now speak volume to us. And all we have is looking back and seeing how father has brought us. But many of us sometimes because of the circumstance that we're in, not only can we not see beyond it, but we have a tendency to fail to look back to see what father has brought us through, which causes us to look at what we're dealing with now and say, just as he's delivered me, this too, he will deliver And like the psalmist who said, joy may endure, or weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning, that what is in front of me now is not my end. And when you know the purpose and the plan of the Almighty for your life, and you begin to connect the dots, because just like Joseph had dreams and possibly visions of the things that he was to accomplish as father showed him. And as it was interpreted that there are going to be your brothers. They're going to bow down to you. Your dad is, is going to bow down to you. There's some things that Joseph had to hold on to in order to endure the things that he was going through. And those are the things father show us things, not to scare us, but to prepare us. You see, as I look at where we are today in the circumstance, in, in the world's economics, in the world's pandemic, and all of the things that are going on in the world, I know that based on what Father has revealed to me, this too will pass. And while I'm on that, I don't take my cues from the governor I don't take my cues from the president. I don't care what anybody out there say talking about, you know, let's get things back going and let's get things back moving. No, you don't move till father tell you to move. Anybody who has any sense of, of logic and understanding of time could see that things ain't right. Things aren't right. Hallelujah. Not because things aren't right, but we got to, get the mind of the almighty to try to understand what's going on. Why is he allowing what is going on and what our place is in the midst of it? Otherwise we'll be listening to the talking heads out there who are telling us, you know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, stand six feet, stand 12 feet. Don't go into these places. It's okay to go into these places. It's okay to to gather. It's okay to assemble and people get restless. They get antsy. (laughs) Stir crazy. They want to get back to this or get back to that. While all of the time, we as believers, and here's how you and I should know, just as we talked about, how can you, How can you know you have fear of God? How can you know you love God? How can you know that you really trust him? Well, the Bible says that trust in him with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. Okay, we got that. And the way we do that is acknowledge him in all our, in all our ways. And he will direct our path. Acknowledge him in all our ways. Now, Ask yourself, because I ask me, do I do that? Do I acknowledge him in everything I do? Do I listen for for him to give me counsel and direction each day? People want to make a big deal out of the Lord's prayer. But this is asking father daily. This is communing with him daily. This is seeking his face daily. This is seeking him for our daily bread, our daily provisions, our daily guidance. And so being tested, father is saying, listen, he doesn't test us to see what's in us. He tests us for us to see. He wants us to see what's hindering us. He wants us to see what's keeping us from, from moving forward in him. And he know the plan he has for Joseph, but he also know the path he has to take Joseph through to get him to that place. And we, he has to take us through a path. He has to take us through some things. He's got to take us. Can you handle <laughs> being rejected? Can you handle being mistreated? Can you handle being falsely accused? Can you handle being lied on? Can you handle being taken advantage of? Can you handle these things? Because all of these are part of the process. Father takes us to maturity. How are you going to respond when, when somebody flips you the birdie? How are you going to respond when somebody cusses at you? How are you going to respond when somebody smite you on your cheek? How are you going to respond when somebody cut you off? How are you going to respond when somebody call you a false teacher, a false prophet, money, hungry, greedy? <laughs> How are you going to respond to that? Are you going to set to defend yourself or to defend yourself against these accusations or people, do you really let him fight your battle? Do you really let him deal with those issues that is coming at you that can get under your skin? See, father is always testing us, not so he can see what's in us, but to show us what's in us so that we can move beyond those Petty things that we may think are big things, those mediocre things, those molehills that we make mountains out of. And Joseph is a good example. He didn't deserve what he what he was getting. The chief butler's dream. The chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were there three branches and it was as though it budded and her blossoms shot forth and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and I pressed them into the Pharaoh's cup and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And here's the interpretation. And Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days yet within three days shall now notice he says not in three days, but within three days. Which, this could be the second day in this particular case, the Pharaoh's butler and, and baker could have been in prison for three days. Because we're going to see on the third day well, let me not get ahead of myself. yet within three days shall, within, not in, within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand, after the former manner, when thou wast his butler. Joseph appeals to the chief butler. Now look at what he says, but think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness. So he's saying, listen, you're in prison, but you, but in three days, you're going to be out within three days. You're going to be out of here. Don't forget me. He's that sure that this man who has been incarcerated in prison is going to be released. I pray thee show kindness. I pray thee unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen. Now notice here, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. What is he saying? I I don't supposed to be here. I know I'm not supposed to be here. In being here, I'm over all the prisoners. I got freedom. I got first dibs on the food. I can move around. Other people are locked down, probably shackled or handcuffed, whatever the case may be. I've got favor in this place, but I don't belong here. So appeal to Pharaoh for me, the chief baker street. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there was all of was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And here's the interpretation. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days yet within three days, within again, three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang thee on a tree and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. So the interpretation is given by Joseph from Jehovah now comes to pass. Notice this. And it came to pass the third day. Now the third day could be the third day from the time that they were in, which would make it within three days. Or was it the third day after the interpretation of the dream? We don't know. All we know, it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday that he made a feast unto all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. So he lifted them up. He released them from prison, brought them in. And here's the deal. And notice it says it was Pharaoh's birthday. Now here's one of the reasons why many people today, especially in the faith, choose not to celebrate birthdays. There are two birthdays mentioned in the Bible on both birthdays. Someone was killed. Pharaoh's birthday and Herod's birthday. We know that John the Baptist's head was cut off on Herod's birthday. And in this passage, the butler is hung on Pharaoh's birthday. So two birthdays in the Bible and both birthdays, somebody died. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again. And he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. Now this is interesting because we see in the next chapter, verse one, two years went by before the butler remembered Joseph. So from the time the butler was released from prison, two whole years, Joseph suffered in the prison because he knew he hadn't done anything to be put there. And yet in his suffering, he has favor. In his suffering, he has favor. In his mistreatment, he has favor. And this is the key, brothers and sisters, which is why you have to be mindful that wherever you are, whether in freedom or in bondage, whether you are rich or poor, whether you are in good times or in tough times, difficult times, bad times, if you would. You have to remember that the Almighty is with you. If you fail to remember that the Almighty is with you wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever you're in, then there's a good possibility you are not mindful of his presence, which could mean you could behave in a way that is not acceptable or pleasing. If you are mindful of the presence of the Almighty, wherever you are and whatever situation you're in, then it will help to guard you and your conduct, guard you and the words that you speak, how you respond and behave. If we live our lives as though we are mindful of the Almighty, I'm going to tell you, it will Make revolutionary changes in how you deal with the circumstances that come at you. And that means that every step you make, you are aware of his presence. When you wake up in the morning, and, and I'm going to tell you again, you know, I wake up in the morning, this is the day Jehovah has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I give thanks to him for waking me up before I do anything. Before I do anything. I get on my face before him. I want to start my day out in his presence as my day starts in his presence. And so I want to acknowledge his presence and I just take some time and I worship him and I praise him. I bless him. I get whatever fog or cloud or whatever is in my head. I want my mind to be, in harmony with him. And then I just take time and wait on him. And that's how I start my day. Cause I know, you know, a few days ago, some workers came to my house and they were early. They were early. Now I'll share this story. The person that, that I contracted a job with, I told them, that I don't want anybody coming to my house before 8.30. Well, this lady showed up. It was about 7, about 7.45. And she comes and she's alone and she's supposed to be with somebody else because they're supposed to be doing some painting. And now I'm troubled because I haven't even had a chance to pray. I'm awakened by somebody who ain't even supposed to be at my house. So I contact the person. I says, I I thought you guys was not going to send anybody here before eight 30. He says, nobody's supposed to be there. I've instructed my workers. They're not supposed to be there. I said, well, there's a person here. And I've got to check myself because this situation has interrupted my time with the almighty but I had to also remember that even though this circumstance has interrupted my time with the almighty, my responsibility and attitude as a believer should not be affected because somebody has interrupted my time with the almighty. So I'm working on my attitude because I'm troubled, right? And so now the place that they have to paint they got to come in and they did some masking and this woman is in this this room all by herself and she's high up. I'm out, you know, side getting my spirit right. <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear somebody scream, "Help! Help!" And the ladder had fallen from underneath the woman. And she's hanging from the ceiling (laughs) with the ladder strewn on the edge of the window and the floor to where there was no safe place for her to drop down. Because if she dropped, she'd have broken something. So I rush in the room and all of a sudden I got this woman who ain't supposed to be at my house in the first place on my shoulder lowering her down and she's traumatized. I mean, she's, she's just traumatized. And I'm thinking to myself how, when we do not walk, cause the contractor told me the woman was informed. She wasn't supposed to be there until eight 30. And if she had followed instructions, she wouldn't have been in that situation because she would have had somebody there to work with her. See, All this time I'm going through in my head because in every situation I'm in, I'm always looking for scriptural, um, I'm filtering it through the word. When we misstep, when we don't follow his instructions, when we deviate from him, from his word in the slightest, we can find ourselves in situations we have absolutely no business being in. And I believe that Joseph is recognizing I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be in this situation, but in this situation, I'm going to fear God. I'm not going to sin against him. I'm going to follow his instructions. And then I'm going to expect the favor of him to be on my life. So I didn't start my day out in prayer. I didn't start my day out in worship, but I did start my day out saving a woman from falling and possibly harming herself. You see, now I'm simply using that as an example, because it came to me. This happened several weeks ago. You see, but it's important brothers and sisters that we are always mindful. Even when things happen, That disrupt our space, disrupt our time, disrupt our plan, we should never allow circumstances to disrupt our connection. We should never allow circumstances to disrupt our connection because the most valuable thing you have is your connection with the Almighty. He can order your steps. He can preserve you. He can keep you. He can protect you, all of these kinds of things, but it's important that we're in tune and in fellowship with him, and it seems as if this was Joseph's place. Two years go by, and his favor and his relationship with the Almighty, he seems to maintain that throughout his time, and you're going to see where that's going to take him. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free eBooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey. On Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the about link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.